Scripture reading comes from Matthew 13, nearing the end of that chapter, and it's entitled, Jesus Encounters Differing Reactions to His Ministry. And so the people of Nazareth refused to believe, and I read from the New Living Translation. You can follow this in your pew Bible. It is on 692. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was was amazed and said, where does he get his wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us, where did he learn all these things? This is the word of the Lord. Well, once again, as I ask every year, (laughs) how do I follow that? Uh, So grateful for uh, Sylvia and and everyone, Vicki, Susan, uh, Lori, everybody else who helped out with that. Uh, wonderful nativity uh, production, those who helped build uh, the uh, scenery here, and just look, just all the folks who have contributed to, to beautifying this place for Advent. I already uh, have been given that Advent spirit, not just with the uh, uh, nativity play, but all that we've all that we've got going here, the beautiful tree over here that's, that's already been trimmed. So um, some of you are in here whom we need to thank. Some we will pass on to Sylvia and others who aren't in here now. But could you just give a, a word of thanks to them for all that they've done? Now, my father-in-law, Ed, is here. And uh, some of y'all know his situation, but where are you, Ed, anyway? Where are you? Ed, are you here? There you are. Okay. And Ed has, uh, uh, some, many of you know, has uh, battled a stroke this past year, but he has come out swinging, and he's winning and doing amazing uh, stuff with that. Can, can everybody see you? Can you, can you stand or you, got, you, you stay seated? Stand on up. He's killing it. Welcome, Ed, would you? Okay, you can sit now, Uh, but he didn't know I was going to do that. In fact, I don't even know if he knew I was going to talk about him uh, this morning. The three people who make me laugh harder than anyone ever in my lifetime are Ed, my brother-in-law Vern, and my son Nicholas, and all three of them interface in this particular account. Um, Ed is amazingly handy with stuff. Give him something, he can build it, he can fix it. Just incredible. Always, always good with that. Great, uh, strong work ethic that, that all of you would appreciate. My brother-in-law, Vern, also can fix, build anything. He's an engineer, uh, could have been an architect, just knows how to use every tool known to humanity. Uh, a great woodworker, carpenter, all kinds of stuff. Just, just amazing. Uh, I... <laughs> I'm a preacher and professor, so when I'm around them trying to fix something, uh, trying to build something, it's mainly, you know, hey, Jim, why don't you go fetch this or that? And, uh, but I remember a number of years ago when we still lo- lived over here on Buckingham, uh, there was 
some project, and to be honest, I can't remember what it was, but you know, we, we, there was something we found to fix, because those two are always looking for something to fix, and I don't remember if it was uh, pulling out some wood from something or, or fixing something, whatever it might have been, but they did not know that uh, recently I had purchased a toolbox. Yeah, me, a toolbox. And I was very proud of it, and it had two layers to it where at the bottom where you had nuts and bolts and, and screws and little hinges and, and your little augers and that kind of thing. And then placed on top of that is where you would put, you know, the tools, the hammers and the screwdriver and, and the wrench and all those other things that, that make you manly. And so I thought, you know, this is a perfect time. I don't remember what it was we were working on, and we were tr- having trouble with it. And uh, we were kind of stumped, and we were like, well, what do we do? And I thought, I want to impress them. So I said, uh, Ed, why don't you go uh, get, get, I'm sure I've got something in the top of that toolbox that can work this thing. Go check that toolbox. Because I wanted to show it off and everything with all my tools in there and everything. Now, apparently, what had happened at some point was, was Nicholas, my son, who was probably three or four at the time, had been fiddling around with that toolbox. And so... <laughs> When Ed went to open up that toolbox and see that, that second layer, uh, all that was in there was a plastic blue play school shovel. <laughs> like that, but even smaller, wasn't it, Ed? I think it was even smaller than that. Yeah, about that big. <laughs> and I'll never forget, because I'm thinking he's going to be so impressed. He's going to bring all these gadgets back and everything. And he comes back with a blue play school plastic shovel and just waves and said, you're right, Jim, if this can't do it, nothing can. (laughs) And ever since then, and I don't know how many years ago that is, but whenever we're going to gather together to work on some project, Ed Ed will say, well, be sure to get the blue shovel, okay? (laughs) So my my status as a handyman was diminished (laughs) on that day. But here you have Joseph, the earthly follower of Jesus, father of Jesus, who was a real handyman, a man's man. But in the Advent story, his status seems to be diminished. Think about it. There are only 16 verses that name Joseph by name. I was talking with somebody recently, and they said, you know, it, it, many of you have little uh, nativity scenes, you know, little knickknacks, little figurines. How many of y'all have one of those in your home that's already up? Okay, a lot of you. With some of those, especially some of the more impressionistic ones, Joseph is sometimes the hardest person to identify in those little figurines. You know, is it the older guy? Is it the younger guy? Is it the guy with the staff? Is it the one beside the animals? Sometimes Joseph is harder to identify. Again, his status seems to be diminished. And yet, he played such an important role in the life of Jesus. In fact, I would argue that no man played a more important role in Jesus's life. He adopted Jesus. He chose to provide for him, protect him, feed him, mentor him, teach him. So as we follow Joseph through this entire Advent season, I hope that we can gain a greater appreciation for him and what he means and the contributions he made to Christ and his church. So as we begin this series, I want us to look at Joseph from three perspectives that we can really appreciate him uh, from our text this morning. First of all, I'll just call it the driver. Now, what do I mean by that? They didn't have cars back then. He was a driver of nails. He was a carpenter, as you know. You go to Matthew 13, uh, 54 through 57. 
It says this, he returned to Nazareth, his hometown, when he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does, the, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed, he's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, all his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Probably at least in part why they were offended not just the, was not just the radicality of what Jesus said, of his being the fulfillment of Scripture, but this is just a carpenter's son. You know, you notice, by the way, that, that uh, Joseph's name is not even listed there or mentioned there. He's probably died uh, by the time Jesus has started his earthly ministry. But note that it just says this is the carpenter's son. Now, the word there for carpenter is interesting. In the Greek, it's tekton. Uh, it means someone who builds furniture and, and yokes and plows and, and different things like that. He was just a tekton, though. It's interesting. He was not an architecton. There's another uh, Greek word that's used in Scripture about a master builder. An architecton is someone who was a little bit more affluent, a little more skilled, and they actually had people working under them, for them. They, he had a crew, right? But not Joseph. He was probably a self-employed, you know, solo carpenter, except for his, his uh, sons who worked with him, including Jesus. If you look at the Gospel of Mark, it says that Jesus himself was a carpenter, which you realize... Joseph passed his own trade on to Jesus. Joseph trained him as a carpenter. Now, I think this is so great because a tecton, as I said, is a builder of furniture, tables, farm implements, yokes for oxen, especially that last one. Think about that. Yokes for oxen. Uh, Justin Martyr uh, wrote in 150 A.D. Justin Martyr was uh, one of the first great uh, fathers of the church, uh, because of his, uh, the letters he wrote to arguing on, on behalf of the re- reality of Jesus as Lord, he wrote five big tomes to the Roman Senate, then started to write Emperor Marcus, Marcus Aurelius directly, and because of that, Marcus Aurelius was offended and he had Justin martyred. But it's interesting, in 150, he wrote these words. Go to the next slide there. Jesus was in the habit of working as a carpenter when among men, making what? Plows? And yokes. And, and this comes from a rich authoritative tradition that, that even predated Justin Martyr, who was about a century after Jesus. Now, I want you to think about that. Specialized with plows and yokes, doesn't it remind you of Matthew 11, 28 through 30? Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my what? My yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give to you is light. Isn't that great? Jesus brought his and his father's trade into one of the best known sayings that Jesus ever said. It's wonderful. Now now let's ask this question. Why did God choose Joseph? Think about that. Why did he choose a lowly tecton, a lowly carpenter why didn't he choose an architecton a master builder why didn't he choose a rabbi why didn't he choose a lawyer why didn't he choose a merchant a wealthy merchant why didn't he choose a physician well i think the answer really does lie to a large extent in the same reason that samuel went looking for 
the new king to anoint in Israel. If you go to 1 Samuel 16, do you remember that? God sent Samuel to go find and anoint the new king of Israel. And God tells him to go find a guy named Jesse. And Jesse has a number of sons. And Samuel says, you know, line up all your sons here. Nope, it's not you. You're not the new king. Nope, it's not you. It's not you. And he's like, who's this new king? And he finally looks at Jesse and says, do you have any other sons? And they say, well... There's David, he's out in the field uh, tending the animals there. Well, go bring him. As soon as he comes along, what does Samuel say? This is the guy. This is the new king whom I anoint. And no doubt it befuddled Jesse along with the other brothers of David. But then there's a wonderful statement that you're probably familiar with when you go to verse 7, where it says what? The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Well, what a heart Joseph must have had, which brings us to his having the heart of a father. Not only was he a driver of nails as a carpenter, he was a dad. He was a dad. If God chose Joseph because of Joseph's heart, no doubt he had the heart of a wonderful father. He helped shape Jesus's life. Now, now, we're going to break off here and do something a little different. This past week, I took liberties to email all of our deacons, all of our current deacons. And I just asked them the question, tell me in just a few sentences, how did your father shape your life? What lessons did you learn from him? What did he model for you? And y'all, I got a barrage of wonderful, wonderful stuff. Somewhere I need to just send all of it to you or, or display it somewhere because this is just wonderful stuff. I can't read all of it this morning. It would take the whole time, and it's wonderful. And even the ones I'm reading, I'm having to, to pare down a bit. But I was just inundated with this wonderful stuff that, that about uh, many of your fathers, and I just thought it was so cool, and it was so cool to read. I just want to offer some of these. As Joseph shaped Jesus' life, how did your father shape yours. I'm just going to read a few of these. One of our deacons was talking about his father being so giving and, and, and helping people who were helpless and vulnerable and, and who were needing help as they served others. And toward the end, he said, he, my father, also taught me about giving, not just once or twice, but over a long run. After he passed away, I found out that there was a chapel named for him in Japan by a missionary couple whose ministry he had supported for over 30 years. Isn't that cool? Another person shared some quotes from his father that he just really learned and memorized and implements in his own life. If you have grown because of someone, let someone grow because of you. I like that. Another one was success is defined as the ability to go from one failure to the next without losing enthusiasm. Wise words. Someone else said this, my dad modeled quiet strength for me. From the time he was 10 years old, he had to work to provide for all his financial needs. He developed a strength of character by facing significant difficulties early in his life. His honest work ethic was such an example for me. He was the poster child for perseverance, becoming the first person in his family to graduate from college and from graduate school. Another deacon said this, My dad modeled the sweetness of God to me. I remember once I was a little girl in Sunday school, and my teacher said that God loved me even more than our fathers. I remember thinking, how could anyone love me more than my daddy? I never, ever once doubted his love for me, not once. 
It's another one. My dad taught me through example more than words, stability, completion, planning, remaining calm under pressure, never panic, hard work is the only kind of work, find a leadership role in the church, be a generous giver, celebrate family, stay the course, honesty, self-discipline, character, trust, love, grace, and toughness. Like Jesus, my dad saw more in me than I could see in myself, and he encouraged me to rise to my potential. Someone else said this, my dad was a great role model and counselor for me. Although he was pretty big in stature, he was quiet, thoughtful, kind, and profound. I've always felt that God gave me enough wisdom to listen to him, and I clearly would not be the man that I am, nor had the success that I've had without his love and guidance. This next one was long and I had to pare it down, but I just love this part. In a time when other fathers patted little girls on the head and told them how pretty they were, my father told me how smart I was and told me no profession was beyond my reach, that I could be a doctor, lawyer, or president of a company. And then he also told me how pretty I was. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Another one, my dad embodied the joy of engaging in hard work with a servant heart And one phrase that stuck was, to always leave it better than you found it, which likely explains my own compulsion to clean up hotel rooms before checking out, and also choosing a career that serves others, demands excellence, and can make a tangible difference in other people's lives. Okay, two more. My father shaped my life tremendously in ways I didn't recognize until I was an adult. Our lives, social circle, and schedule revolved around church. If the doors were open, we were there. As a result, my school friends were my church friends, and I avoided much of the trouble and drama that most kids endure. I would attribute my readiness to serve in any capacity directly to my dad. And finally, my father's father was too busy with work to spend much time with my father when he was a boy. My father vowed that it would be different for him as a father. I learned from my father to be available to my own children because I so appreciated how available he was to me. My father's presence, underscored presence, was invaluable to me. I wish I could read every one of these. They are just wonderful and touching, and I was so moved by all of them. Uh, And I thank you, deacons, who, who contributed those and so many others. I kept finding four themes that kept... Uh, moving in and through, weaving in and through all of these, there were four themes, faith in God, character, good, strong work ethic, and taking time out for your kids, being present there for your kids. What an incredible blessing. And I think about that today, and I find myself concerned. You know, 26% of millennials in America say that they have either a below average or very poor relationship with their father. And I can't help but think that there must be some correlation between that percentage, significant percentage, and the number of millennials who struggle with this idea of faith in God, to really believe in God, to believe in this loving Father. So I do praise God, and I'm so thankful for the Joseph-like fathers who raised so many of us, but all the more that compels us to be the Joseph fathers for people who did not have them, to reach out to them and mentor them as they deserve to be mentor and have mentors. Joseph modeled this faithful father's love for his son. It's amazing to me that Joseph modeled 
his faith in God to his son, who was the son of God. Kind of amazing when you think about that. Much of what we see in Jesus had to have been modeled in the life and witness of Joseph, which leads us to Joseph the disciple. And we're going to talk a lot more about Joseph the disciple in the weeks to come. Because he wasn't just a faithful father, but a faithful servant of God. Really the primary, perhaps the sole adjective you find that describes Joseph in the gospel stories, you find in Matthew 1, 19, Joseph was a what man? A righteous man. And we'll see this magnified in the weeks to come. You know, one thing I thought about the other day, did, did Jesus see some of the good of his earthly father in the disciples whom he called? At least 11 of those disciples. Did he see the good of his father in them? You know, they were broken, they were imperfect. But what's amazing to me is once they realized that Jesus truly was the Son of God, they were just so radical in their faith, so fearless in their faith, so ready to follow God's will wherever that would lead them, even if it meant harm being in harm's way. It did not matter to them. They gave their lives totally over to God in full obedience, just as Joseph had some years earlier. So what about you? (laughs) Whether you are a father, a mother, brother, sister, mentor, friend, are you the faithful servant that you know those close to you need you to be? Are you being the faithful servant to God who is the father of us all? Following his will, modeling our lives after the king who was born in a manger and ultimately died on a cross for you and for me. In other words, do others see Jesus and Joseph in you? Let's pray together. As we explore the life and work and example of this man whom you chose, O God, to be the earthly father of your very son, may we be spurred onward ourselves to be the followers that you call us to be, to be those who desire to follow your will regardless, to be the mentors and, and figureheads and examples that you want us to be. Lord, teach us all the more to be just like Joseph was to Jesus, showing faith in him, your very son, in whose name we pray. Amen.